Good evening, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers. And I thank you for joining me on this lovely Friday evening. And uh, before I continue, I just want to ask you to please like and subscribe to Behind the Store Curtain YouTube channel. We bring you live shows each and every day and night including the show and Hangover and Touchdown Under. You saw that earlier Friday night. And you can also catch all those shows, all the live shows, live on Facebook. So please check Facebook out if, you, if you're if you not on YouTube. If you're on Behind the Curtain's uh, Facebook page, you'll, you'll find all of our live shows as they're happening. Sorry, I apologize. I was having some technical difficulties. And uh, when you're done checking out our live shows on the audio side, after the fact, you can also check out our original audio shows, our, our audio-only shows on any audio platform, any place where you can find podcasts, you can find Behind Still Curtains content. It's a... Uh, it's become a great channel, become a great source of Steelers information, Steelers uh, analysis, Steelers opinions, Steelers commentary, Steelers breakdowns. You won't be sorry. And uh, everybody's uh, just ready to go right now. I mean, uh, we're less than 48 hours away from the start of the Steelers 2022 regular season. So we're going to be having lots of wonderful content for you in the 2022 regular season uh, and you won't be, you, 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 you'll be sorry if you don't check it out um, and uh, check out behind the curtain, the website, we bring you news, commentary, film breakdown. Uh, anytime there's breaking news, anytime there's a trade, anytime anybody does anything Steelers related, we're one of the first people to bring it to you. So check that side of it out too. We're going to have a lot of great content for you uh, during the season. Uh, just like we always do. And let's check out the live chat, who we have in the live chat on this Friday night. Steelers Pittsburgh is the first one. And, and isn't that appropriate since we're just about to start the Steelers 22, 2022 regular season? Kathy Ford is with us. And she says, hello, Tony. Steelers Pittsburgh and the rest of the fans. There you go. Jared Devil's with us. Devin Logan says, what's up, Tony? All right. We have a nice crew. Javier, Javier More is with us. He says, hey, guys. All right, let's 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 talk about the Steelers and the Bengals this Sunday. As I said, it's uh, we're almost there. We've, we've, we've waited through eight months of, uh, of Steeler talk, not related to the Steeler, Steelers playing any games, uh, draft talk, free agent talk, OTA talk, all kinds of talk. And now we're ready to, to watch them play an actual regular season game this Sunday at Paycor Stadium, the newly named Paycor Stadium, against the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals, a rival that they used to take for granted, a division rival they used to take for granted. There's no question about it. Um, but now the Bengals are, are the reigning AFC champions, and boy, have the tables turned, haven't they? 
And what a way for, for the Steelers to start their season. The first one in 18 years without Ben Roethlisberger as the face of the franchise, as their franchise quarterback. He retired in January. So they had to go out and find his replacement. And they did ultimately, at least for the 2022 season, at least for the start of the 2022 season, that's Mitch Trubisky. Um, he's trying to re redeem himself. They're trying to find a, a, a adequate, at least an adequate offensive line. They made a couple more additions in the off season. Um, they made some, some additions on defense. Um, this is Mike Tomlin's first year without Ben uh, leading the way for him on this 53 man roster. What have people, have, what have people said about Tomlin all these years since he took over in 07? Boy, I'd like to see what they do. I, I like to see what Tomlin does, what kind of coach he is without Ben Roethlisberger. Well, here, here he is. He, he's going to get his first crack at that. He has a new defensive coordinator in Terrell Austin. He brought Brian Flores in the mix into the fold. Uh, to be sort of a defensive consultant slash linebackers coach slash just great football coach. So they have all these questions that need to be answered for 2022. What kind of team are they going to be? Um, is their defense going to be dominant? Is their offense going to figure things out under Matt Canada? And who do they get to do it against? The Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC champions. So it's going to be quite a test for them. There's no question about it. They're six and a half point underdogs. They've lost three in a row to Cincinnati and none of the games were close. If you go back to December of 2020, they, they've lost three games by a combined score of 92, if I my math right, to 37. That's, that's some uh, pretty, uh, pretty open and obvious dominance by the, the guys down in the jungle in Cincinnati. So, how are they going to fare this week? How are they going to look against this team? Are they going to are they going to come prepared to play? Is Cincinnati going to roll over them again? What do they have to do to win this game? Well, first of all, I think they have to they have to uh, hope that their their defense is the elite unit that uh, many people think it can be, and uh, of course that starts with with uh, T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward. Uh, Alex Highsmith, that front seven, they have to get pressure on on uh, on Joe Joe Burrow, the new king of the AFC North uh, quarterbacks, I think it's fair to say. So they have to get pressure on him. Um, the Bengals have a revamped offensive line. They added, gosh, what, four or five players, and I think they have three or four new uh, starters. Um, Alex Carrot, a center. Uh, Leal Collins, right tackle. So that they have a... Uh, a whole new offensive line. They practically anyway. Um, so perhaps this stout front seven, uh, if you, you know, with, with Tyson Alulu back in the mix and Larry Ogunjobi, the, the, the new addition that they, that they brought in, uh, who was, who played for the Bengals last year, perhaps they can, they can set the tone early in this game by, by dominating that, that new offensive line. Uh, for the Bengals and, and the Bengals had a, that's one area that they struggled in last year, just like the Steelers is uh, the offensive line was, was uh, I think Burrow was sacked 51 times. So that's one way they can set the tone. You know, they have, they have a miles Jack back there, another addition in free agency. Uh, he had a great camp by all accounts and, and he looks like somebody who could be a difference maker for them at inside linebacker. 
regardless of who's playing it next to him, whether it's Devin Bush or Robert Spillane or whomever. So that's one way uh, that they can set a tone is, is by dominating that line uh, and getting after Joe Burrow and making life miserable for him, which is something they couldn't do last year. But in all fairness, last year they had injury problems when they faced um, the Bengals, especially early on. TJ Watt, uh, I'm sorry, was it TJ Watt? Yeah, TJ Watt uh, missed that game, I think, or at least he was he was he wasn't 100 anyway. Uh, and that was the first game that they were without Alu Alu, who who left, who, who was injured in, in the in, in week two against the Raiders, and then missed the rest of the year. So that week three matchup was the first without um, Alu Alu, and they never had uh, stuff on to it. So. Uh, with a more formidable front seven this year, maybe they can get after Joe Burrow and, and catch this this revamped Bengals offensive line while still trying to to gel and, and, and figure out a way to work together, kind of like Pittsburgh's offensive line right now. That's one way. And of course you have to you have to find a way to, to slow down Joe Mixon, who certainly in, in that second game, that 41 to 10 game uh, last November, he terrorized them to the tune of 165 rushing yards. So that's another way uh, to, to, to stay in this game and perhaps pull it out is uh, stopping Joe, Joe Mixon. As far as the uh, offensive side of the ball, well, we're finally going to get a chance to see the entire Matt Canada playbook. It would, it would seem anyway, we really didn't see much of it in, in the preseason. I would imagine he, you know, these guys, they don't like to, 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 reveal a whole lot in, in the uh, preseason. It's, it's everything's pretty vanilla. So, uh, you know, the Bengals, they're, they're, you know, people talk about their skill position players and, and, and Joe Burrow. Uh, and there's no question they have a, uh, they have a, a, a an incredible uh, arsenal of skill position players led by Jamar Chase and obviously Mixon and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. They added uh, Hayden Hurst as, as a tight end. Uh, he's a pretty good tight end that they added in free agency. So they quite, they, they have a great offense. And if the offensive line is, is, uh, improved this year, they're going to have an, almost an unstoppable offense. I would, I would imagine, but their defense is pretty darn good too. You know, their uh, friend seven is, is, is not bad. You know, uh, Trey Hendrickson, I believe that's his name. He had 14 sacks last year. Sam Hubbard had seven on the other side. They're, they're, they're two uh, defensive ends. Um, Logan Wilson's a pretty darn good inside linebacker. Their, their secondary is fantastic, I think, led by the safeties, Von Bell and, and, and Jesse Bates. Obviously, they have Mike Hilton as their slot corner, former Steeler. Eli Apple's a pretty decent cornerback. So, you know, they got a good defense. So, you know, this, this – um, Offensive line that struggled all throughout uh, tr uh, training camp in the preseason, the, the Steelers' offensive line. Uh, they're going to have their hands full. Uh, Dan Moore's going to have his hands full against uh, Hendrickson and uh, Shooks, who was injured throughout the week, but he, he was a full participant on Friday during Friday's practice. So he's, ex he's expected to play Shooks core for. He's going to have his hands full with Sam Hubbard. So um, th the first way that, 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 the first thing that has to happen is this line has to has to try to contain the the Bengals front seven and give Trubisky some time back there, or at least um, enough time for him to uh, move around in the pocket and, and make some things happen. Um, and of course, they have to hopefully open some holes for for uh, 
for Najee Harris because, you know, if you're going to slow down that Bengals uh, offense, aside from getting after Joe Burrow, you're going to want to control the uh, control the clock, control the ball, and uh, that starts with uh, establishing the run, which is something they they really couldn't do last year, even though Harris rushed for 1,200 yards. Uh, he only averaged 3.6 yards per carry. I heard I heard somebody, I think it was Jerry Dulek, cite a stat um, yesterday on Thursday, and the stat was uh, Harris averaged 3.6 yards per carry, but 2.2 of those 3.6 yards came after contact. So he was getting he was uh, getting uh, hit early and often. So they're going to have to do a better job this year of of uh, creating some running lanes for 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 Harris, and that's hopefully starts on Sunday in Cincinnati. So uh, on offense, they're going to have to try to contr- uh, play a little bit of ball control offense. But you know, I, I, I I'm not necessarily saying that they have to be conservative the whole game. Um, I mean, they, the Steelers have a pretty decent arsenal of skill position players in their own right with. Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, who was hurt uh, throughout the week, but he participated fully in practice on Friday, and he's expected to play on Sunday. Claypool Johnson, rookie Pickens, George Pickens, uh, of course, uh, Pat Fryermuth. So they, they have a pretty good, pretty good arsenal of uh, skill position players in their own right. But but you're going to have to give Trubisky some time back in the in the you have to you have to find a way to do that, and whether that's uh, through a lot of uh, motion, you know, that's been part of uh, Canada's, that's part of Canada's um, playbook. We didn't get to see a, whole, a lot of it last year because they were kind of using Ben's uh, offense for the most part his last year here. So they're going to have to uh, find a way to give Trubisky some time, uh, whether it's through uh, decent blocking or moving the pocket or, or, misdirection something they're going to have to find a way to to keep the bengals defense honest they can't just tee off and and, and like, like they've been doing the last couple of years like like defenses have been doing the last couple of years against pittsburgh so so it's going to be a challenge it's going to be a challenge for pittsburgh no, no matter what what how you slice it offensively or defensively this game is going to be a challenge i mean you look at the again the bengals uh uh receivers you know i mentioned them already uh, you know who's going to cover those guys uh, you know we like the steelers corners you know uh levi wallace akilla weatherspoon cam sutton i who I, i'm a big fan of becoming more of a fan of each and every year these are these are decent players but do they have the ability to match the bengals receivers you know um uh, you know, if, if they if they double somebody, if they double Jamar Chase, which I wouldn't blame them one bit because he's already one of the best receivers in the NFL, and he's only coming into his second year, and he he burned them last year, especially uh, early on in, in week three. If they if they double him, well, somebody's gonna have to cover T Higgins one on one. Somebody's gonna have to cover Boyd one on one. You know, so <laughs> uh, that's gonna be a tall order. As far as uh, the tight end. We'll, as we know, uh, Terrell Edmonds is pretty good at, at, at neutralizing the, the opposing team's tight end. So uh, hopefully he can he can utilize those skills on Sunday and, and take take out the Bengals tight end. But you know, 
it's not going to be easy. So that's why I said earlier when I opened up the show, the best way to to disrupt or, or to um, neutralize the Bengals and stop their offense is to get after Burrow, and that's that's going to start with the front seven and take and, and um and 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 getting after and, and terrorizing that that new line of there. So it's going to be a tall order. Um, you know, people are, are kind of counting on on Pittsburgh sneaking up on on the Bengals like they did Buffalo last year, but you might have been able to do that with the Bills. But you know, the Bengals are a division rival, so you're not going to sneak up on them. They're ready for the Steelers. I, I would I would imagine. Um, they're 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 not going to want to start the year after losing a close Super Bowl, they're not going to want, want to start the next year by losing to, to their longtime tormentors at home amid this great celebration for being the defending AFC champions. They're not going to want to lose that game to their longtime big brother, the Steelers. So they're going to be ready. So they're not going to be able to sneak up on them. So that's, 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 um, I, I wouldn't count on that. And as far as the Super Bowl hangover, people keep saying that, oh, the, the, the teams that lose the previous Super Bowl, they always have a uh, kind of a bad year the following year. Although, the, you know, the, the Patriots just won in 2018 after losing in 2017. And, you know, just because it, that's a, a, tr- uh, a trend historically, that doesn't mean it's going to happen in 2022. You have to k- take each each uh, uh, season in, as its own entity. And to me, it doesn't feel like the Bengals are, are, are primed for a Super Bowl hangover. To me, it feels like the Bengals are just getting started as an organization. You know, they were 10 and seven last year, which is, you know, for them, it's, 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 it was good enough to win in the AFC North, but it felt like they came on at the end of the year. Like they were gaining momentum as the, as the year progressed, you know, there was, there was a, a point earlier in the year where they got their doors blown off by the, the Browns at Cincinnati, you know, so, and, and the Browns didn't even make the playoffs last year. So, you know, they really, I think they really f- hit their stride down the stretch and into the playoffs. And we know what they did in the playoffs. They, 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 they beat the Raiders. They, they, they um, beat the Titans on the road. And of course they, they went into Cincinnati and, and or I'm sorry, in the Kansas City and, and knocked off the two-time defending AFC champions uh, in overtime. So, you know, it feels like they're just, hit, again, they're just hitting their stride. So I wouldn't count on the Super Bowl hangover either. The one thing that I've been hearing all week uh, from, you know, Bengals reporters and, and, and you know, who, are make, who make appearances, who made appearances uh, on local Pittsburgh radio shows to talk about this game, the one thing I've been hearing all week is that the the Bengals really weren't going uh, full bore at training camp. Like you know, a lot of the guys on their, their their a lot of their starters didn't even play in the preseason, including the offensive line, this new offensive line. And you know, while the Steelers certainly rested their share of players in in the, in the preseason, it wasn't like it, it, it in the past. I mean, a lot of their guys played uh, more than they than they normally would have in the past and you keep hearing about these physical practices that the Steelers had all throughout training camp including this week uh, uh in preparation for the Bengals game so maybe 
that's one area where, where Pittsburgh can, can kind of take advantage is maybe being more, uh, being more ready than the Bengals are out, out of the gate, being, ha- having higher intensity because of um, the, the, the training camp that they had, the preseason that they, that they had, and, and the practice they had leading up to the game. So that might be one area where they can kind of uh, catch the Bengals while, you know, when, they're, when they're still kind of working, through, working the kinks out uh, after, after the, uh, their magical run in 2021. So, but um, having said all that, I still kind of have a feeling that the Bengals are going to have their way with the Steelers. We'll see what happens, but but that's kind of what I'm my, my that's what my gut is telling me that it's going to be a long day for Pittsburgh. But but obviously, if I had those kind of real powers, I would I wouldn't be I would be using it for for other things besides predicting football games. Um. So you know when when you look at at, at the Steelers' 2022 season. It can go either way, I think, as far as, you know, I think in terms of, 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 you know, they could either, I think they can hang in there. They're either going to hang in there all the way to, to the end, like they, like they have been doing the past few years, or this might be their first year since 2003, where they finished with, with a losing record. Um, and, you know, when, when you think about it, you think about how tough sports, professional sports really are all, all, you know, NFL, NBA, NHL, you know, MLB, to have the kind of run that they've had, like nearly a two-decade run where you're you you don't have a anything worse than a 500 record. That I mean, you're 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 really at a certain point. You're you know the odds are, are have to be against you. So uh, you know this is, they have a tough schedule, especially in, in the beginning. But really, if you look at their schedule up and down, there aren't too many cream puffs on on their schedule. And they themselves have a lot of question marks. So you know, this would not shock me if this is one of those years where it's like a six win year. I, I, you know, I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying it would not shock me simply because of, of the, the struggles that they've had and their schedule. And the fact that the AFC is just so loaded, you know, the Bengals, uh, you know, they have, the, they've had the Steelers number the last uh, three meetings. Um, but if you look at, at, at the AFC as a whole, I mean, you, know, you got the Chiefs, you got the Bills, who may be the best team in football, um, and the Chargers, the Raiders, the Ravens, the Titans are a good team, the Colts are a good team. Now, these are all good football teams. This is going to be a tough, tough year in the AFC. So, you know, this could be that year where it's like, all right, you know, the Steelers might not, not, they might be going for a top 10 draft pick. So we'll see what happens. But uh, one thing I will say, and, and this, this um, the next thing I'm going to get into is, is the, is the, the, the NFL's uh, the, the, the kickoff classic that they had on Thursday night between the defending Super Bowl champion Rams and the bills. And, you know, the bills Dom, it was in LA, of course, that's what the NFL does every year. They open, up their season on a Thursday night at the home of the, the, the defending Super Bowl champion, you know, and, uh, and the bills dominated from start to finish, really, you know, the, the Rams came back at the end of the first half and tied the game, but really uh, 
the final score was 31-10. It could have very easily been 41-10, 50-10. I mean, that's how dominant the Bills were. And, you know, the Bills were really, I think, maybe the best team in the playoffs last year. Uh, you, you look at how, what they did to the Patriots in the wild card round. It just blew them out. The worst, the worst defeat, the worst playoff defeat in Bill Belichick's uh, career. And then, you know, they had the Chiefs beat with 13 seconds left. And they let that game get away unbelievably. But I think the Bills may, may have been the best team in, 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 in not just the AFC play, but all playoffs last year. And, and they just kind of let that let that game get away at the end of the, in the divisional round. So they're hungry and, you know, everybody's picking picking them to win. And if you look at the way they, they, they dominated the, the Rams in their place on Thursday night to open the year, you know, I think there are a lot of folks out there who, who might be right when all is said and done. So, you know, the bills are going to be tough and, you know, for the Rams, it's, it's a, it's yet another reminder that the NFL stands for not for long. You know, they they won the Super Bowl in their in their home stadium uh, last year in February, knocking off the obviously the Bengals, uh, and then they returned to that place to start the 2022 campaign. And it's like it might as well have been a, a, on a different planet. That's how that's how different they looked. I mean, Matthew Stafford struggled. The the, the Rams defense struggled mightily. It was a bad way to open the year. I'm not saying that that the Rams are done because I think they're still really good. And and they added Bob, Bobby Wagner in, in in the offseason. They have Cooper Cup, best receiver in the NFL. Uh, they have they have a darn good team, but you know, <laughs> it, it just it's just it's just so hard to 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 repeat and and to stay on top. And and the Rams got a reminder of that on on Thursday night. There's always somebody nipping at your heels. And right now it looks like the Bills are that team that's hungry uh, to finally get over the top and get to a Super Bowl and win one. So, you know, that might be another, if you're looking for some some more optimism for Sunday, the Bengals might might uh, come out flat uh, despite how magical their, their 2021 campaign was. But the only difference is the Steelers clearly are not the Bills. So even if they come out flat, they still might might find a way to win that game. So we'll see. All right. Kathy Ford says of, of last night's games that the turnovers killed the game. Yeah, Matthew Stafford threw multiple interceptions. I mean, you know, the Bills, I mean, they had they made some mistakes too. Mistakes that had they not made those mistakes, they probably would have won the game more thoroughly. I mean, they really physically dominated the the rams and you know von miller who was with la last year he signed with the bills that they signed him to a like a huge deal and you're wondering why are they spending this kind of money on this veteran player but i mean he made his presence known on thursday i mean he he, he had at least two sacks against matthew of matthew stafford and it was just a thoroughly dominant performance by the by the bills And this is Jeremiah Yoder, and he asks rhetorically, I wonder what the rest of the NFC West thought of that Rams performance last night. That's a good that's a good uh good point there because that division's pretty good. The NFC West is pretty good. And the 49ers are expected to to contend 
The Cardinals are a really good team. Um, Seattle is going to probably struggle this year because they don't, they had the trade, they traded away Russell Wilson. So they have to figure out their quarterback situation before they can uh, figure anything else out. So, but, but there, it's definitely going to be a three team race. And and right now they, the Rams got off to a, the worst start imaginable. So what, what the, what the rest of that division is thinking right now is all right. Uh, all right, LA, you had your, you had your fun last year, but, but you know, we're going to, we're going to make life difficult for you this year. You're not, you might be the defending champions, but that it's got nothing to do with, with, uh, with uh, 2022. So, all right, my next topic, and this is, this, this, I kind of alluded to this earlier and my next topic is a personal one. And, and, and that's how incredibly grateful and excited I am for this 2022 season to finally start real NFL football. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be honest. I am so over this off season. It felt like it was the longest off season ever. And when I say long, like, Oh my gosh, I'm so starved for football. When's the off season going to be going to be over? When's the season going to get here? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it was long in terms of having to stay engaged every seemingly every moment of the day. Um, starting with, with all the draft talk in January, immediately after the, the Steelers were eliminated from the playoffs, all the way through March, and then it was on to the free agency, and then more draft talk after that, and then it, it went into OT, like everything OTAs, the schedule reveal, mini camp, and then training camp, and just like I, you know, the NFL is masterful. It, it is genius when it comes to, to to trying to overshadow the other sports leagues its competitors, even in the off season. But this year, I think more than any year I can remember it, it really did dominate the news and it overshadowed anything that was going on with the NBA or the NHL. It overshadowed baseball. Of course, it, it, it was incredible. And, and, you know, the league's been trying to do that for a number of years. It's been trying to, to sort of, dominate the, the news cycle, even in the off season. But I don't remember it being like it was in 2022. Um, and, and, and it seemed like it's getting more and more, the NFL is becoming more and more omnipresent with each passing year. And like, you used to be able to take a break from, from NFL news for at least a few months until the, until the tra- training camps. Right? Now you can't do it. You can't do it anymore. You know, you know it's like, I, I can't even tell you right now what, what what the standings are in Major League Baseball. Um, right now, as I'm as I'm as I'm talking, I can't remember who won the final, the NBA Finals. I can't remember. Was it the Celtics? It might have been the Celtics, or no, no, no. It was it was it was the uh, the Warriors. There you go. See, it was the Warriors. The the Stanley Cup. I don't know who won that thing. I don't know. I'm sure it was somebody. Uh, but that's my point is, is the NFL is so dominant now in terms of its news cycle that you can't pay attention to anything else anymore. And somebody like me who, who writes and does podcasts for the Steelers or about the Steelers anyway, I mean, I have to stay engaged in order to have content, you know, but it used to be, I could, I could 
get away with like, you know, doing some out, out, outside the box kind of articles in the off season, you know, writing about the past or whatever. You can't do it anymore. And people want that. They want that, that NFL news and that Steeler news all the time. Um, and I think like a lot of, a lot of like my, my theory about that is I just think pe- people's appetites have changed. The sports fans, their, their appetites changed. And I think fewer and fewer people want to, want to invest emotionally or, or financially into, into sports where they have to, they have to be spectators four or five, six, sometimes seven days a week. You know, like you have to be with, with, with baseball and, and, and of course the NBA and, and the NHL, their teams play four or five times a week. I, I just think that's, people don't want to put that much time into, into being sports fans anymore. I think they'd much rather debate things on social media, like all throughout the year and then invest their emotions and their money into maybe 20, 25, 30 football games and, and, and then repeat that cycle the following year. So I think, I think that's where we're at. You know, people are always complaining about the length of games. Well, if they're complaining about the length of, a, of an NFL game that, that's played once a week, they're certainly not going to, not going to want to sit through three hour baseball, three and four hour baseball games every night of the week in, in NBA games and NHL games. So I think that that's why, um, I don't know if there's anything that can be done to change that as far as like these other sports kind of stealing the headlines. Um, but it looks like the N- the NFL is just going to continue to dominate uh, the off season in the foreseeable future. I, I can't see any, anybody, um, a- any league doing enough or, or, or creating enough kind of star power to, to sort of take the spotlight away from the, from the NFL. But that's enough complaining. Again, I'm glad to be to finally have some real football to talk about, um, some games to talk about, to react to, to write about, to do podcasts about. This is my time of year, you know. The off season, you know, I write continuously because I want to keep those muscles strong and taut. That when the actual season gets here, it'll be like second nature. And same thing, I hope to be able to do with the podcast have some real tangible things to talk about, to react to. And I'm really looking forward to this Steelers season. It, it's, it's so fascinating. Um, and it's so exciting. I mean, you know, it, it's the, the great unknown, believe it or not, is exciting for me right now. What, how, how they're going to, how they're going to respond to to all these challenges as a team. And I just can't wait for Sunday. And, 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 and obviously I, I hope I'm wrong about, about um, how the game's going to turn out. And, you know, I thought they were going to lose, I thought they were going to lose last year in week one and they, and they surprised me and I was pleasantly surprised. Um, but I just can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait for, for NFL action. It's, 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 it's so great. So, all right, before I take some questions, I have one more thing I want to talk about and I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the tremendous honor Steelers are going to give Franco Harris at the end of the 2022 season when they when they retire his number 32 jersey uh, at halftime of the Steelers Raiders uh, game. I guess it's Week 16. I mean that's how <laughs> it's not even it's not even the final game. It's Week 16, uh, and it's, of course it's to commemorate the 50th year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception that occurred on December 23rd, 1972. Of course, Franco was the star of that of that unbelievable play a play that's that 
we, we had never seen anything like it before or since. It was incredible. And and uh, to me, I think it's 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 a deserving honor. I mean, you can you can say that about just about anybody, any of the Hall of Famers from those seventies teams. But if you think about it, Franco, you know, Mean Joe Green, who had his number seventy five retired in twenty fourteen. Um, he was the first one since Ernie Stottner back in the sixties, but Joe green has always been credited with, with changing the, the culture of the Steelers uh, locker room, changing their, their mindsets and teaching them how to win and refusing to accept losing, holding his teammates accountable. So he changed the locker. He changed the culture within the locker room over his first few years. And of course he, he remained the, the leader of that team all throughout his, his uh, career in Pittsburgh. But if, if Mean Joe did that, well, you, you can. I think it's 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 accurate to say that Franco Harris changed the culture within the fan base within the, in the stands at Three River Stadium, because his arrival sort of ushered in um, the Steelers becoming winners. You know, they had never really had much success. We all know the first forty years. Then nineteen seventy two comes along. He's the first round pick out of Penn State. And, you know, he's rushed for over a thousand yards. Um, he becomes a, an instant um, fan favorite, maybe the most popular player in the history of the franchise up to that point. I mean, I, I don't know, but certainly the way that the fans gravitated towards him and there was a, a fan club created in his honor, Franco's Italian army, obviously, you know, uh, Franco's uh, he's half African-American and in and, and, and part uh, Italian, you know, that's his, that's his heritage. And, and, you know, they, they, they named this fan club after him and, and it, was, it was widely uh, popular. Uh, Frank Sinatra, the, the legendary Frank Sinatra became an honorary member of this, of the, of, of the army. It was fantastic. And of course that, that spurred a lot of other fan clubs all throughout the rest of the seventies. Uh, you know, even uh, Roy Girola had his, his own fan club and he was an average kicker. So it was incredible what, what, what Franco helped to usher in. And he said so himself, you know, that 1972 season, uh, Pittsburgh won the, the old AFC central 11, 11 and three, as I said. And, and as he said one time, it was like the entire city and the entire fan base had waited their whole lives for that one year, for that magical year. And, um, you know, of course he was, uh, again, the hero of that immaculate reception, you know, uh, catching the, the, the deflected pass from Terry Bradshaw to Frenchie Fuqua, catching it mere inches off the ground, and, of course, uh, galloping into the end zone for an improbable touchdown. The first uh, playoff win in franchise history, the 13-7 win over the Raiders in the divisional round. And, you know, the city was just electric for an, for an entire week after that. And, of course, they, they lost the following week, but um, – that was like really the first truly great moment in franchise history. And it was like a, 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 it was like they turned the page from the same old Steelers of their first 40 years and they became winners and eventually champions two years later. And Franco was the MVP of Super Bowl nine. He set a record that day against the Vikings, uh, 158 rushing yards. So um, he was the hero of that play. He was, he was, it's the immaculate reception is considered the greatest play in NFL history, maybe even sport in, in the history of sports. That, that's how improbable and, and, and original that play was. And, and, and it, it holds up to this day. 
And of course, them winning four Super Bowls um, added to the lore of that play. If they don't win any Super Bowls, maybe people don't remember that play as fondly. But the fact of the matter is, it, it's it's the greatest play ever. And in addition to that, though, you know, Franco was such a, a, a productive running back, and he was really the heart and soul of that of that team as far as an offensive identity. You know, when, when Franco retired in '84, he was the second leading rusher in team history. But he was also he he retired as, as the most prolific back in terms of, of, of carries. He had more carries than any running back in NFL history when he retired. And to me, that speaks to Chuck Noll's philosophy. You know, he always said, before you can win a game, you have to learn not to lose it. And one of his philosophies was controlling the ball, controlling the clock, um, being physical, out hitting your opponent. And what better way to do, to do that than to run the ball and to run it down your opponent's throat and, and, they did that on a consistent basis with Harris as their running back. And he was such a, a money running back in the Super Bowl, in the playoffs. He always came through for them. So to me, it, it was just a tremendous honor. And the question that always gets asked, well, who, you know, why not retire other player players' numbers? And, and I'm sure that's going to happen eventually. You know, I, I'd like to see it happen eventually. Sooner rather than later, actually, because these guys aren't getting any younger. You know, Terry Bradshaw just turned 74 last week. So these guys are getting up there in age. I, I'd like to see them have this honor bestowed upon them when, when they're still when they're still with us. Um, and people say, well, if you retire, if you start retiring all these numbers, you're, you're going to run out of the numbers. Well, I don't think you are, because at least as it pertains to those those Hall of Famers from the 70s, they don't give those numbers out anyway, other than. Swan and Star Wars 82 or 88 and 82. And the way, the way they've expanded the scope of Jersey numbers for uh, relative to uh, uh, various positions, you know, you can very easily retire 82 and 88 and, and still have plenty of numbers for receivers and tight ends. So you can, you can retire all those numbers and maybe a few more from more modern times and still have plenty of digits left over. So, at least as it pertains to, to the Hall of Famers from the 70s, I, I would love to see them maybe every couple of years, maybe every year, um, retire, you know, maybe do it, maybe do a couple at a time. Uh, uh, Lambert and Ham, 58 and 59. Swan and Star Wars, 88 and 82. Obviously, Mike Webster's number 50. They don't give that number out, you know. Uh, retire that number. Maybe something his family could 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 cherish and, and, and be proud of he you know, obviously he passed away and was it oh two or oh one um donnie shell is maybe somebody whose number you can retire uh, i mean i can go on like you know all the, all, all the players from from the from that era uh maybe even some some more modern guys like rod woodson I, I always thought maybe he should have his number retired jerome bettis so but those guys are down the road but for the, for the older heroes, I think it would be cool if they if they if this started the trend of them retiring their their jersey. Because really, when you think about it, you know they've had so many celebrations from uh, of those '70s teams, and they're all you know they have ten Hall of Famers now, and they've had so many reunions. The only thing re the only thing left really is to retire jersey numbers, and why not? So, again, congratulations to Franco. It's a tremendous honor. Uh, he means so much to this organization. Uh, he's such a great ambassador. 
you know, everybody has a, I've seen, I saw Franco story. You know, I saw him a few years ago in shady side walking down the street with an entourage. Like, Oh my gosh, it's Franco. I can't believe it. So, you know, uh, to me, it's, it's, it, he's a, he's a, a perfect guy to, to honor in that regard. Um, after Joe green in, in 2014. So something to look forward to, um, at the end of the 2022 campaign. So let's take some questions and comments and round out the show. And Michael O'Malley says, Tony, we, we will run out of numbers. But as I just said, you know, what, uh, like cornerbacks can wear anything from one to 49. Now, uh, uh receivers have a, have a, a wider range of numbers they can use. Running backs can wear number 80, can, can wear numbers in the eighties now. So there's, I think defensive linemen and linebackers can wear single digits. So there's so many more numbers available to, 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 for each position that I think, I don't think they would run out of numbers, honestly, I, you know, and, and again, that's something to worry about down the road. I'm just really right now focusing on these hall of famers from the seventies. You don't hand those numbers out anyway, again, other than 82 and 88. And those got those numbers can also easily be retired and you would still have plenty of numbers left over for other, for current players. So I just want to see those guys all get honored with that, with that, um, with, with having their jerseys re retired uh, before, you know, before they, before they pass on. And Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah Yoder says, talking about Franco Harris, what about Rocky Blair? Hey, Rocky Blair is a great story. Everybody knows about Rocky Blair. He's a great story. He's another great ambassador. He, he has a tremendous uh, past, but let's be real. He, he doesn't deserve to have his number 20 retired. I'm sorry, but you can't, if you start retiring everybody's, even like the great stories, then you're going to, you are going to run out of numbers. I love Rocky Blyer. I watch uh, fighting back multiple times a year, starring uh, the, the late Robert Urich. Great movie, great made for TV movie, 1980. But let's face it. I'm talking about the, the truly immortal elite all time greats. And unfortunately for Rocky, he does not fit into that category, but great story. Nonetheless, Tony Rigger says, or Ringer, I became a Steelers fan in 1973 and saw the greats play in 58. And number 58, Jack Lambert should be retired along with number 52, Mike Webster. So, and he's so happy for Franco. I think, I think everybody is. I think it's, it's a great thing. It's, it's a neat thing to have, to have um, these kind of uh, honors for people. Let's see what else we have as far as the the uh, questions. It's another one from Jeremiah. Welcome to the show, by the way. It's, that's a new name. Joe Green was amazing, teaming up with Greenwood, White, Holmes, Lambert, Ham. Behind that, behind them with Blunt. Mel Blunt. There's another one I forgot about. Mel Blunt. Oh my gosh, maybe the best cornerback ever. Number forty-seven should be retired. And you know, listed. Yeah, it, it, it was it was a tremendous defense, just tremendous defense in the 1970s. Arguably the greatest defense ever. All right. Jeremiah has asked, would you consider Terry Bradshaw? Of course I would. Yeah. Terry Bradshaw's number 12 should be retired. Of course he he's up there. He's, he's included with all those guys. I mean, I could, I could spend the whole show listing all those players. I mean, obviously Terry uh, Bradshaw is one of the most important and pivotal players in, in franchise history. He, if he doesn't come of age in 1974, they probably don't win any Super Bowls. You know, he always said the most important thing, 
You say what you want about me, but I came through in the big games. 74, 75, 78, 79. I was at my best, and he surely he truly was. So yeah, obviously Terry Bradshaw's number 12 should be retired, and I'm sure it will be someday. This is from the CUDA. Whoops, the CUDA who says, I went to every game at Three Rivers. It was a concrete jungle. Sometimes during the games, you were ba- you were bouncing six inches off the ground. I remember watching those uh, on TV when I was a kid, and you could see the stands sort of bouncing up and down. You can see it. If you find, find certain highlights on YouTube, you can, you can see that to this day. It was, it was unbelievable how loud that place was. All right, what else we have here? See if we go back and find some uh, some older stuff. While I was rambling on, this one from from George, uh, and he says, "I think Leal, Loudermilk, and Adams look pretty good." Yeah, I think that's you know the the, the starting uh, D line led by Cam Hayward and Alu Alu and and, and um, Ogan Joby. Obviously, I think it's one of the better units in the NFL, but they're also pretty deep. I think I think they have some pretty good uh, depth now with Loudermilk coming into a second year. They seem to be excited about him. Leal uh, impressed a lot of folks at training camp and, and during the preseason. He showed some real promise. Adams came on big time last year when they picked him up. So, uh, you know, I think this this line's pretty deep. So, you know, I think as long as you have, as long as they 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 maintain their health, which was a big problem for them obviously last year without Tuit and Alulu, then you're gonna have a nice rotation whenever you have to spell Hayward or. Or or, or or the other guys. So, yeah, I think that's, that's, that might be their best unit, um, even better than the receivers, that, that defensive line. That's how good it is. And this one is from Travis Salen from YouTube, and he asks, the big unknown is, is if they are going to wait too long to draft first-rounders to come behind Hayward and Alulu, much like – they waited too long to draft first rounders for Pouncey and DeCastro. Well, I kind of, I kind of, as far as the, the offensive line, I kind of uh, broke that down in, in, on a recent show. You know, their line was such a strength for for a number of years, and they they did address the line uh, early in in the, in the 2010s with a lot of first and second round picks. But they they had other areas of the team they had to improve. Like you can't do it all at once. So. Yes, right now their their offensive line appears to be lacking in pedigree. And you know, maybe if, if it doesn't work out this year, as far as the, the the five guys that they have and maybe some of the backups, they might have to start addressing it with first, second round picks. And and but but you know, once you once you spend so much um so many uh, premium draft picks on one position, you have to start addressing other positions, which is what they did. It was just unfortunate that all those guys got old at once. That happens. That's why the NFL is the ultimate parity league. That's why the draft is set up the way it is. That's why they have a salary cap because they don't want, because they want to make it as difficult as possible for, for teams to, to, to contend year in and year out. And, and usually every team has an area that, that they struggle in. And right now Pittsburgh's bugaboo is the offensive line and they have to find a way uh, to figure that out, hopefully, with guys like Dan Moore and and, and Shooks and and Kevin Dotson developing into into players and, and dependable starters, we'll see. All right, thank you for the uh, comments, Travis. 
what else we have here? This one's from another from George talking about Ernie Stotner. He was your greatest player for the longest time. I mean, he was he was somebody who who uh, excelled during the dark times, during the during the the, uh, the down years. And you know, he was he was a tremendous player for them. Michael O'Malley asks thoughts on on this O line. If it will come together, can we run a pass this year? I mean, the Steelers. That's a, that's that's a, that's a that's a great question because you know they didn't show that in the preseason. That's for sure. They, all those guys struggled. Every single one of them, with the exception of maybe Mason Cole, uh, the, the line struggled in in one on one matchups. So it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna probably gonna be be tough sledding uh, for a while there until they maybe come together as a unit and 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 improve individually and collectively. We'll see what happens. But that is that could be the one thing that that prevents them from from uh, winning ten games and maybe sneaking into the playoffs is that O line. It's certainly something that, that that hampered them the last couple of years. But at the same time, they have addressed it these last two off seasons. It's just they didn't address it with first and second round picks. Although uh, Jack uh, 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 James Dan- Daniels is a former second round pick, so he's the free agent they picked up, obviously. And this one is from Brian Brown, who asks, do you think the Bengals can keep TJ Watt off of Burrow? TJ was injured both Bengals games last year. That's a good point. Do I think they can keep him off of him? A healthy TJ Watt? No. Uh, 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 Layal Collins against TJ Watt, I I guess that would be the matchup, right? Because Collins is a right tackle, and TJ Watt, he plays on the strong side. I, I would put my money on TJ Watt in that battle. I'm I'm pretty sure he's going to get some help from a tight end. <laughs> uh, and so I I think what you know provided um, provided uh, he gets help from from his uh, defensive mates, meaning Cam Hayward, who's a beast, and Ogan Joby, who who has that beast like quality about him when when he's on. I do think TJ Watt can can get after Burrow. That's to me that's the, the biggest key as far as the Steelers win is the defense, the front seven, dominating the Bengals' uh, revamped line. So that's something to keep keep uh, keep in mind and, and pay attention to. All right, we're getting up close to an hour, so I think it's time for me to, to call it a night. Don't forget to check out Behind the Curtain all week, the editorial side and the podcast side for the pregame stuff and the postgame stuff. And um, 48 hours from now, we're going to know that we're, we're going to be breaking down Sunday's first game. Hopefully it's a, it's a, it's a good day for Pittsburgh. We'll see. But uh, until I talk to you on Monday, you have a great weekend and you enjoy, you enjoy that first game. And uh, I will, I will talk to you on, uh, on Monday. Go Steelers. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.